0: Network Interface Enabled Hello and welcome to the Coming Out of the Basement podcast for mid-December 2012. I'm your host Carlos, with me is your host BJ, and we are members of the Network Interface. Uh, how you doing, BJ? What's up? Uh not too bad. It's been a long time. I know it's been a long time since we've even had a chance to talk or get together or anything like that.
1: Yeah, we you did... were over not too long ago for one of the. Um, I was going to say days. that we
0: did get to do a game day for the first time in forever, which was awesome. But uh, who knows when the next one's going to be again. With those, uh, the time between
1: the game days stretch so long that I always have to do this really long, you know, last time, you know, because nobody remembers what the campaign's even about.
0: Yeah, and that's because I, t- I took notes. And, and yeah, it, w- it was it was a while. Yeah. And, and I see you've been, like, uh, tweeting at COTB1 and stuff and occasionally even getting responses.
1: Um, well, I tweet some of my friends like I was tweeting Terence um, Terrence is my nephew he's over in California doing um sound editing school and uh I think he's a bit more in tune with some of the more the 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 newer scene than we are um he's a pretty hip young kid, and so I was thinking that maybe because he's also really into gaming um every year my gift to him is a uh, year long subscription to uh xbox uh, Live and his uh his gold membership and he's really into the more modern games and he sees a whole different purview than we do on all that stuff, so I was thinking sometime he can come on and talk about stuff that, frankly, you and I don't know about or even see on a day-to-day basis.
0: Okay, sounds good. And uh, your buddy Thomas commented. I don't know if you got the chance to see that.
1: No, I didn't see what Thomas say.
0: Yes, uh, he he sent us greetings from Anime Land and said that he would say a prayer at the Shrine of Gikari and Akihabara for us. So uh, there you go. He blamed us for some Kickstarter projects that he's joined, and uh, we... We'll see. Uh, he asked some questions, and maybe we can we can answer them. Okay. Do you know the questions? Because I haven't yes. seen the questions. Any word on the upcoming Hobbit movie? Is it going to suck?
1: Um, right now, the re- the reviews I'm reading are kind of up in the air. It's definitely not as uh, welcoming as the reviews for Lord of the Rings were, mm-hmm. and part of the reason for that is <sighs> right now Peter Jackson's trying to push the envelope of filmmaking. He's hopped on the 3D bandwagon, which isn't a bad thing. But the thing that's kind of weirding people out is he's making the film 48 frames per second for any digital theater that can project at that. Mm-hmm. Now we'll get a little bit technical here. I used to work as a projectionist in a the movie theater with good old 75, uh, 35 and 70 millimeter film, big old platters used to work with, and um, you know DTS sound and all the good stuff. The industry standard, as it has always been, is 24 frames per second. That's just how film projects. That's, that's the way it's been forever and a day. Uh, the stuff you watch on TV is 29 uh, frames per second. They round it up to 30, but technically digital records at like 29 in a fraction or something like that. But that's what your eye is kind of used to. And so uh, what Jackson wanted to do was create a, a new level of realism and do 48 frames per second because the new digital projectors are able to kick that up. You couldn't do that with an old like 35 millimeter projector. There's just no way to say go faster on those machines, right? They're designed to go 24 frames per second. The, the digital ones though, they do have, you, you can, you can um, upstroke them and make them go faster. But apparently at going at that speed and, and it takes away a lot of the just natural static um, or, or kind of background film noise in, in, in the picture And it makes things look a little too real, and it's kind of throwing people off, right? So right now, the biggest complaint about it is not really from a content standpoint, right? But it's more the technical standpoint that people aren't reacting well to the 3D in combination with 48 frames per second.
0: Yeah, I have to say, I am kind of dying to see what that's going to look like.
1: Well, I mean, it could either be very good or bad, right? It's going to look extremely realistic, but it's also going to take away some of that... Uh, the Hollywood glow of the movie right
0: right yeah Maybe. but I you know just because it's something so new and different that's kind of why I want to see I want to actually you know judge for myself see what it looks like see what it does see what I think about it you know
1: I got I got a super HD LED TV upstairs in the rumpus room um and and uh, my wife complains about it because it's it she says because I, I I kick that thing up to 60 frames per second and and you know 1080p. And my wife says it looks too real, right? Everything looks, you know, too real and it kind of gets a weird vibe to it. Like it's no longer Hollywood movie. It's more like some kind of like handheld recorded
0: film, no matter what you put in there.
1: I kind of like it that way, but some people react poorly to that.
0: Uh, we will see. Yeah. His other question, uh, what about D&D next? I haven't been keeping up with it as much as you. A, a little bit. Like I said, I got to play test it early on a bit and I've, and I've read through the, uh, I've read through the rule set some, um, looked a little bit about, at the discussion and not too much. Um, I think I, you know, so far I, I like D&D Next. I think it's, it's uh, I think it's a, a fun looking system and I think it'll be a good and solid game. Is it gonna be enough to bring back, you know, the upset people who left when 4E came out or the upset people who left when 3E came out or the upset people who like, who left when D&D Next was announced, you know, the, who really love 4E? Yeah, I don't know uh it 's super ambitious i don 't know if if it if the game you know i don 't know if it 's even possible for the game to be so good mechanically and you know stylistically that it 's going to bring all those people back i don 't know i, I but, honestly i don 't think it will just because
1: the community at large is so fractured at this
0: point yeah so that, that's that 's kind of my feeling too and plus there 's just so much so many games out there there are so many good games out there that this game is, would have to be the perfect game in order to really bring everyone everyone else out because people have their games you know it might be 4e it might be pathfinder it might be fiasco it might be you know whatever fate um they are savage worlds they have they have their systems and they like their systems so um i i'm sure at some point i will try indie next i i think i like i said so far i think it looks really solid and I, I really like what i see um but you know getting a group of people who want to play it that's going to be you know I think that'll be a little bit more challenging.
1: I mean, realistically, um, it, like I said, the community at large is kind of fractured. People are just going their separate ways for the systems that they prefer, right? Uh, I'm a big 4E fan because I think it's a very clean system for handling you know, combat and stuff like that. Some people don't like it because it doesn't have very good social mechanics, right? And, and the skill challenge system is okay, but it's not great, and it takes a lot of tweaking, but you can get it to work in, in a better fashion. But you know, uh, some people prefer 3.5 because uh, they they think it's um, you know the character classes feel more unique, uh, and each character class is sort of its own little island. Whereas you know they don't like the um, you know kind of categorizing in everything into the the holy trinity. Um, well, you know, there's four roles, right? But really, it's, it's they're talking about the holy trinity of damage, healer, tank, and stuff. Yeah, poor controllers always get left out, anyway. Yeah, yeah, and and realistically, they consider tanks just like another form of, of controller, right? Because they're trying to control aggro and stuff like that. But the, the the reality being is that you know it's considered the holy trinity for a purpose, right? The you know, tank, healer, and, and uh, DPS. But there's just so many systems out there now you can kind of go carte blanche for whatever you want to do. So like, for instance, I've kind of stretched my my gaming repertoire a little bit. Uh, um, so did you watch the, the VGA's, the video game awards? Uh, not yet. I think Jim has it recorded.
0: So do you, but have you heard what won best game? No, what, what won.
1: Okay, the uh, Walking Dead um, adventure game.
0: So that was something I was going to mention today as well. Yeah. So,
1: which is Kind of odd because normally the game that wins the game of the year is something like you know modern warfare blah or call of duty blah right something very actiony and very mm-hmm. you know high intensity, tons of graphics coming out everywhere you know a, a grand theft auto thing like that. Uh, this is not one of those, right? This is more of a community project that came up, right? It's an episodic, um, video right. game also, which is a little bit weird, mm-hmm. right? In that it didn't come out in one solid game, it came out in, in chunks, you know, to make five episodes. Five
0: episodes, yeah. Yeah, no, and, uh, I've heard really good things about it, and, uh, like many games that I see you all play, I see a lot of cursing going about on the chat, but it sounds like it's engaging.
1: Oh so. man, I, I beat it, and I almost cried at the end. It's, it is such a, it, it is a very engaging game. You don't play it for the action. You're not playing it to get headshots and stuff like that. It, for a zombie game, like people might think, like, oh, it's a walkie death, so it's going to be like a Left 4 Dead. No, not at all. It is not at all like that. Don't go into that game thinking you're playing like Left 4 Dead or something like that. Right? There are some scenes where you get to shoot some zombies, but that is minimalized. And, and really, it's about making choices, building relationships, knowing who you can trust. And, and having repercussions from the choices that you make, right? People will die based off of the choices you make. And it's a very engaging game. It's a very sad game. Mm-hmm. And, and they came from it not from a how are we going to make an action-oriented game. They came from it of uh, the perspective of how are we going to tell a story. Right. And, no, that, yeah. and that was the goal, and it did a great job. The, the, the voiceovers are great.
0: They, they make very dynamic characters. It's all around. It's an, an incredible game. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I've heard nothing but good things about it. It's, it is on my wish list, which I was going to mention later on, so yeah.
1: So to bring this kind of full circle, playing that game inspired me
0: to run a Walking Dead
1: play-by-post campaign. So uh, I wanted to look for something kind of rules-light, because I didn't want it to be yeah. combat-heavy. I wanted it to be more like The Walking Dead, just like that video game was. The video game wasn't you know rules-heavy in, in combat mechanics. It was more about telling the story. So for the first time, I'm trying PDQ.
0: Um, have you ever heard of PDQ? Yes, and I don't remember why, but I have heard of PDQ. Uh it is yeah, it's probably just on the list of rules light systems.
1: So it uh stands for Pro's Descriptive Quality System. Right. And basically, the way you do it is you say, um, and and you can kind of do it as, as however you want, but you can say, okay, I want you to come up with three qualities and two weaknesses. Your qualities can be of uh, plus two ranks, and your weaknesses have to be to minus two rank, and they can be anything. So, what I did is is the gimmick of the campaign is you play yourself, right? So be honest about yourself. For me, I put um, um, X weightlifter right, because I used to be really, and I, and I still am really into weightlifting and going to the gym and, and throwing um, weights around. Um, I put IT admin, because that's one of my, my job is, you know, I work with computers a lot, so I'm, I'm pretty, you know, knowledgeable of computers and, and technology and stuff like that. Um, and then uh, the other one I put, uh, Peacemaker, is sort of a social benefit, right, that I'm, I'm good with talking with people, but normally I serve as that Peacemaker, you know, men bridges and stuff like that. And then for my weaknesses, I put, you know, overweight, obese, you know, because, And then the reason was, you know, because I used to weightlift um and I when I stopped I still ate like I weightlifted, right? So I've gained a lot of weight. Um and then what was the last one I put? Um something about like a trick knee or or something like that. You know, I got a bum knee from my dislocated it. Uh and so, you know, the the three qualities are at plus two ranks and the two negative you know, the two weaknesses are at negative two ranks. And so anytime you come across a scenario, you pick the quality that would apply best to it, and if nothing fits, then you get the default plus zero, and you just roll D6s, and and the Game Master applies a a difficulty rank, which, you know, something trivial is like just five, and a straightforward task is seven, and and so far. and It's just meant to be very simplistic.
0: Right? right? Ninja Burger. That was the game that I saw that used PDQ.
1: And then when you take damage, there's no hit points. Instead, you drop your qualities temporarily. So like if I, if I get hit, I will drop my weightlifting rank from a plus two to a zero if I take one damage or a plus, you know, plus two to a negative two if I take two damage or something like that. And it's all designed to be very rules light. And, and the reason I wanted to wa- run the walking dead campaign is I wanted to run the what if, what, what would you do in the zombie apocalypse? What choices would you really make? Right. And, uh, and so we kind of have it as sort of a spectator sport because the first thing I said, nor- normally, you know me, Carlos. Do I kill players?
0: Um, except for Scott, I would say no.
1: Even then, I've never I'm killed kidding. Scott as yeah, much I'm as joking. I've wanted
0: to. I'm joking, yes. Uh, no, you don't.
1: I'm really into the mindset of you are there to facilitate a story with the players. You need to make things challenging, but your goal is not to kill them. Your goal is to challenge them and, and give them some excitement and fun, right? And, but in this game, the first thing I said, I laid out, I was like, if you, if you apply to playing this game, you will die. The game is going to kill people, and I'm not going to, you know, soft approach it, right? And so only apply if you're okay with dying. You know, you could die, you know, in the first, you know, 20 minutes of the game, whatever. And uh, the other thing I said is, who's okay with being in a standing queue, right? Because sort of like The Walking Dead, I want to be able to replace the live players with new fresh players, right? And so we we started off with um, six players, I'm handling six at a time. They came in a bus to Austin because I just know Austin well enough. So if they want to run around and do stuff, I can I I know that area well. And so I I did a bus crash, and the first thing I did was, as their bus crashed when they woke up, I was going to assign three negatives: a broken arm, broken leg, and a concussion. And some poor bastard got all three. I rolled randomly to 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 see um, who would get it right, and and um, he didn't get the broken arm, but he got uh, broken leg and concussion. And sure nice. enough. Sure enough, he was our first one to get eaten by
0: zombies. Well, yeah, I mean, with that, I would leave him there. So,
1: no, the really shitty thing was, um, as everyone's like waking up, I was like, all right, you know, the bus crash attracted some attention. You see a guy, he's like eating the body of the the bus driver, and as people are kind of like getting out and and they're attracting attention to the zombies, I was like, you can try and help them, but if you help them, you know, there's a chance that you might get, you know, the zombie might try and hit you. And everyone just left this poor guy. They're like, hey, sorry, you you broke your leg, you're you're not gonna make it. We're leaving you. And the guy was like. What the hell? You're just gonna leave me? And sure enough, they they did, and and he died. So (laughs) people turn into jerks in the zombie apocalypse really fast.
0: Apparently, yeah. yeah.
1: So, anyways, um, that you know uh, the the as far as like you know that that kind of brings up two things, right? Both the the Walking Dead video game, which did very well at the VGAs for a very good reason, but also. There's a lot of systems out nowadays, right? Dungeon World um that that Kickstarter campaign, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's a D20-ish campaign meant to be a bit more rules light and 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 meant to facilitate um easy campaign rules and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I hear a lot of good things about that system. Have you played that at all?
0: No, uh, I've played a different Kickstarter campaign, D20 lights-ish system though called uh Legend, <laughs> which was kind of neat. But yeah, there's tons. There are yeah. tons of systems out there. So to think that, you
1: know, and this is going to sound cheesy, but to think that there's going to be one system to rule them all, just like D&D used to be, uh, it's not going to be that way anymore. There's just too many choices now.
0: There's too many choices. There's too much talent out there. Yeah. There are people doing some really innovative things, and, you know, there's rules. There's uh, detailed rules, light rules. There's all kinds of things. I mean, D&D has the history behind it, and it has all the stuff that that is still – Only D&D exclusive and the the worlds and some monsters and whatever. And, and I think there's always going to be that draw. uh, Well, there'll be a
1: nostalgia factor behind it. And all,
0: yeah, that too. And, and, you know, this, and I think, I think the Indian X will be a solid system. And like I said, I'll check it out, but I'm not going to give up, you know, Pathfinder or I'm not going to give up any of the other systems that I have. So,
1: you know, I still like running Mutants and Masterminds because it's
0: a, it's a solid
1: and easy, you know, easy to modify system for a variety of things. Right. You know, that's why it worked out well for my Call of Cthulhu campaign and stuff. Right. You know, so I I completely agree The the idea that D&D Next will bring all these people back to the fold, I think, is um,
0: I think a bit naive. Yeah. And it kind of worries me because. Uh, Hasbro, I don't know if intentionally or not, exactly has been cutting resources and, you know, the Christmas layoffs and the, you know, Dungeon and Dragon on, move to online and then redoing the character build. You know, they've made a lot of missteps over time. And I don't know what's going to happen if this isn't a, you know, spectacularly successful game because that's not what they're looking like. They're not. They're not really, they don't really seem to be interested in the niche success, right? They don't want the little niche success. They want something, they want Magic the Gathering. They want something that constantly makes money, that, you know, has all these elements, that, 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 uh, they see an increase in profit over time. So, uh, we'll see what happens. D&D will never be Magic the Gathering. Right. It just won't. Yeah, it can't be. So, uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't know. We'll... And that's, that's my concern with
1: D&D Next is because they're trying to go so broad in scope, I think they're gonna alienate everyone rather than say, you know what, D&D has always been about the dungeon crawl, so we're gonna make the dungeon crawl video game. You know, we're gonna make it about getting a team of badasses together and you're going through the dungeon until you get to the dragon and you freaking kill it, hence Dungeons and Dragons, right? Instead, they're trying to, you know, uh, appeal to everyone, right? You know, like, when people complain when 4E didn't have like any social, like, you know, rules and stuff like that. I, I didn't care
0: because D and D is not about you know the, the social rules, right? Right. And 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 here's where I will disagree somewhat. I think I think that element is a big part of it. So well, it's
1: yeah, and having the skill checks for like diplomacy and stuff like that—that's as much as I think is needed. I don't think you need a complex system for for social interactions in D and D. There are plenty of other games that do that much better.
0: Yeah, and I, I think their original implementation—I mean, they they think their original implementation was terrible. I mean, they got all the DC's wrong, but, uh, they didn't put a lot of thought into that. And I, yeah, and people worked around it though, so.
1: Yeah. So. So. Mm I mean, that's, uh, really, that's just how it's going. And we'll, we'll see. Uh, It'll, I I think it'll be a moderate success, but it won't bring everyone back to the fold.
0: Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I think as well. So, other news. I saw you commented on one of the things that uh, I wanted to talk about today. In in uh, in unrelated news, and that is Gail Simone being fired from Batgirl by email. Yeah. So I made a comment to that. I, I Twitter. I tweeted
1: DC Comics. Um, and so I, I want to clarify this a little bit. I don't think it's wrong to fire somebody, right? It, it, business is just business. I, I've been fired plenty of times, and I never held a grudge about it. Uh, because sometimes, you know, it's just that way. Right. But firing somebody, especially someone who's that publicly entwined with, you know, the, the comic book um, universe, uh, firing them through email is disrespectful and just rude. And that was my primary problem. You know, in my current position, I would never be fired through email, right? Someone would take me aside and explain to me the reasons and the whys and stuff like that. Uh, firing through email is disrespectful and cowardly. And, and that was my problem with it. In that, if you're gonna fire someone, at least have the balls to have the conversation of why. Doing it through email just makes you look small and timid.
0: Yeah, it's, I think that it's incredibly unprofessional. I think that yeah. that was, that was pretty terrible to fire someone through email and, you know, one of your, one of your writers and one of your most popular writers on one of your more successful books. So, I mean, that's, that's it's very, very strange. Uh, you know, I love DC characters, a lot of DC characters, and I think so many of their editorial decisions in the last couple of years have been really poor. Um, not, you know, this, this is among, <laughs> among the many. You know, I've been I've been collecting Batgirl, right? That is that is one of the titles that I pick up. I have every issue that's come out so far. It's a good series. Uh, I think Gail Simone's done a great job and was probably really one of the only people who could um, come back to Batgirl after she was Oracle in a wheelchair and who, whom she wrote also. And I think you know having Gail Simone as the author at, now that she can walk again and is and is, is a uh, has as returning to the Batgirl role. I think that was pretty necessary in order to. Um, kind of be sensitive to the story and to you know the situation that she was in and that she found herself um and so yeah this I, i think the firing is really bizarre um and of course no reason given um but yeah firing over email is just just rude and i mean
1: it's it's rude not needed and, and unprofessional, and they need that fresh blood in there. Cause let's be, let's be realistic. My wife brings me a stack of comics all the time to read from the library. I think DC's having problems. Yeah. Definitely. DC's having problems. 52, we've talked about it several times, not being the grand reboot that they were hoping was gonna be, frankly, because they screwed it up royally. And just made it confusing both for new people and old people. Right? Mm-hmm. And so they need quality writers to make this shit work for lack of a better word, right? And so yeah, firing Gail mode I think was a disservice. The way they did it was a disservice
0: and it's not going to help the the project at all. So yeah, yeah we'll see. Um, you know, I, I will, I'll I'll give the title. I'll see who's going to be the next writer and and keep on going, but a lot of the things that she was kind of building up to she uh are gone according to to editorial things. So I don't know, we'll see how this how, how this kind of story goes. Uh I did have a positive DC reaction recently, which was, you know, nice. I, I, and I assume you have seen the new Superman trailer.
1: I have. That's one of the things I want to talk today. To All talk right. About. What do you think? Well, first of all, I think my initial reaction. Do you remember the last time we reviewed the uh, the teaser, that the like 30 second you know thing where they had two versions? One where yep. it was um you know Papa uh, Kent talking. It was uh Kevin Costner, and the other one was Jor-El, yep. um Russell Crowe. And, and and the first thing I said was like Kingdom Come Superman. And, and Scott was right. like, How can you tell that from a 30 second trailer? And it's like, dude, you can just tell by the attitude and and the tone and and the beard and stuff like that. I feel like I'm still justified in that. does it feel to you like kingdoms Kingdom come, Superman?
0: I don't know about Kingdom come because that was so far in the future, but it's certainly conflicted. I mean that yeah, in that kind of sense, and that kind of dark kingdom come, you know the world you know i'm I'm this person, and here's the and I have to interact with the law and with you know all these Here- other things going on, yeah.
1: I, I don't know if you noticed it, but I saw, and I could be crazy, maybe my mind is imagining this, but I saw a Superman symbol with the black background rather than the gold.
0: Uh, I don't know. I'll need to rewatch it closer.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's in there, but I think one of the things that the that the movies have done a disservice to is the duality nature of Clark Ken and Superman, right? So if I you, agree. if you watch the Richard Donner films and then the Brian Singer film, they all very focus on the fact that he is just Superman. And then Clark Ken is this mask that he puts on to pretend to be with all the normies, right? Which I don't like that type of Superman. That, that type of Superman gets written about a lot of times. Instead, I prefer the Superman, um, that, where it is Clark Kent is like the main personality. He is Clark Kent and Superman is something he does out of a sense of responsibility instilled by his parents, right? And the conflicting problem is he you legitimately doesn't want to be Superman. He just wants to be a normal guy, right? Cuz that's he was raised on a farm with, you know, you know, very good but simple parents and he just wants a normal life you know, on the farm with a wife and some kids, and he knows that he can never do that because of what he—the power he has and the responsibility he has—to to use it for good. And so there's a very conflicted nature of from from Superman to want this normal, simple life, but he knows he has to do something grander, right? And so it, there's that that conflicting nature, and that what is represented by the two personalities of Clark Kent and Superman and you get that sense in that trailer. I know it's just a 2 minute trailer but you really do get that sense within that trailer.
0: Yeah, there's definitely definitely something going on uh with with Superman and his interaction with humanity and his own identity there. Yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, you know, I wasn't I wasn't totally sold with the teaser uh, yeah, over time, but I think now this is really interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm
1: totally sold on it. It looks really good and I can't wait for it to come out. Uh, And they're talking about, there's rumors that there's going to be some sort of segue into Justice League, right? And that um, Henry Cavell will be Superman in the Justice League movie, right? So we'll back up a step here. Since Avengers uh, is basically printing its own money at this point, it it made so much money um, from, you know, third highest, you know, uh, the third most money-making movie ever, right? Yeah. Um just behind Avatar and, and uh, Titanic. Because it made so much money as that ensemble movie, all of a sudden DC's like, Oh shit, we need to do that. Right? They've toyed around the idea of a Justice League movie, but they are never sure if it's gonna work out. And then when they saw Avengers did Gangbuster Money, right. they're like, Okay, yeah, this this could work. So they're they're gonna do the the Justice League movie. And there's a ton of of rumors coming out. Uh there's rumors that uh
0: Joseph Gordon-Levitt's going to be Batman was a rumor. I saw that.
1: Yeah, but I think that was uh, quickly uh, shut down.
0: Yeah,
1: um, And that the, I think the goal is for Justice League to introduce Batman, and then once the new Batman's introduced in Justice League, then they'll segue into another new Batman movie from there. Um, but I think what they're tra- talking about doing is having Henry Cavill uh, Superman movie segue into to Justice League. We'll, we'll see, though. I'm not entirely sure, certain about that.
0: Yep, six months until the release date. So, yeah, I uh, I am looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think we got a lot of good movies coming out. Next year is going to be awesome. Yeah. We're going to get the Captain America movie. We're going to get the Thor movie, Iron Man 3. It's just going to be
0: good. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Other news. Uh, Sir Ian McKellen has cancer, we recently discovered. What? I didn't hear that. Well, it's not as bad as you might think. Um, apparently, he has had prostate cancer for going on seven years now. What really? Yes, and he's and he's and he. They caught it early enough that it's treated, and he's fine. But he just finally, you know, spoke out about it for the first time. So yeah, he has. He apparently has cancer. He's been living with cancer, but it's apparently easily treated and easily controlled in his particular situation, which is great because that's generally everyone's reaction when they see that Sir Ian McKellen has cancer. But wait, he's okay. So, that's good that he's okay, but that's, that's an interesting, uh, thing that we learned about him, uh, in the last few days. Uh, and he's, he's gonna actually, he's gonna be on Doctor Who soon. So that was really? be interesting. Yeah, he's gonna be in an episode, I think the Christmas episode of Doctor Who. So. <clears throat> Have you seen, uh, the Hawkeye Initiative? Yes, so
1: the Hawkeye Initiative is where they're trying to reclaim, uh, positive femininity in comic books, and the way they're doing that is, Anytime there's a grotesque or, or you know um, overly indulged uh, female picture in comic books, they they redo the image and they replace the, the female with Hawkeye. It is hilarious to look at some of those pictures. Yeah, it, it is. You know, just as they have these women, you know, twisting in these uh, weird poses, so you get to see both the the ass and the breasts in the in the pose, and, and the poses get to be ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm they're they're doing that with um with hawkeye
0: and and it is absolutely hilarious it is really awesome right and it's 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 really interesting too because especially first seeing it and and you know other people have done this type of thing before uh there's there was a tumblr called or a website called escher girls that basically had the same thing uh, something very similar um and or rob blyfield anatomy i think was another one but uh they uh it's interesting because a lot of this is just internalized because that's how we see it. And you don't really see how ridiculous those positions are until you see, see them in a new context. And I think it's a really interesting website. Yeah. So Hawkeye initiative, it's on Tumblr, Google it, find it. It's a lot of fun. And I mean, uh, will it change comic book industry? Probably not. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, You know it's what, what sells is going to what what changes comic book industry. So maybe if, uh, I don't know. We'll see Uh, if, if, people people uh, I doubt it but you know you never know it's a
1: start the comic book industry will only change when people start buying more independent books like The Walking Dead and stuff right. like that and they start showing an interest in you know stories rather yeah. than just having the same stuff regurgitated over and over again that's what I'm really just tired of is you know people you know what I'm really tired of it, and this is gonna go into a rant about DC but that's okay <laughs> I'm, t- I'm tired of like every one of their major players getting their own little like squad. Right? And it's, it's getting to be more and more that way. So we've got the Batman team, which consists, you know, consists of Robin, Red Robin, the two Batmans now, right? So Dick Grayson and Bruce Wayne are both Batman. Um, the Huntress, Cassandra Kane, Stephanie Brown, right? So he has his own little group of the Batmen, right? Same with Superman. Superman's got his own little group of, you know, Supergirl, Power Girl, um, Connell, um, Who's the other dude the the one with the the red suit who came from uh who's like lead poisoned or something? Monel. Uh Monel. Yeah, yeah Monel. Although he's not a Kryptonian, but yes. Yeah. And then you know there's the Green Lantern squad. It, it, what I'm really getting tired of is like it's all becoming very oddly grouped like that. And it's it's kind of bugging me a little bit. And I think you know this was this was happening before 52, but it's been building up to this and and it's just weird. I don't like it.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like if they had Wolverine and like Wolverine had like, you know. Well, it's, it, it's, it seems to be part of the thing where this is how they can have multiple titles that are basically the same kind of thing and they can do crossovers. Yeah. That's what seems to be happening a lot. It's just, it's getting to be too
1: much, in, in my opinion, too much. I don't need six different Superman and seven different Batman. Right. What are you, what are you reading right now? Um. So right now I'm reading um, what is it? The Gotham Sirens, which is a pretty interesting book, and it's about uh basically Harley Quinn, Catwoman, and, and Poison Ivy. And then I'm reading a uh, Stephanie
0: Brown Batgirl run, which so, I, you know, so. But those aren't current, right? Those are er, those are earlier comics.
1: Yeah, they're, uh, but uh, they're about a year behind.
0: Yeah. Okay. Right. Because yeah, because you know I don't think Stephanie Brown's appeared again yet. No,
1: no, 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 no. She has She's, she's not in the current stuff, right? Th- this was a limited run Stephanie Brown before right. 52, but this is just before 52 came out. Right. Um, and, and here's the thing. I kind of like the Stephanie Brown Batgirl, right? She's a blonde, and I'm not really fond of that, but what I like about the Stephanie Brown stuff is she's just a, a college kid. No, like, raised by the ninja assassins of the Shadow League and, you know, destined to be the greatest warrior ever. I'm really tired of that, like... But isn't that your backstory? <laughs> it is. How'd you know? Yeah, well. <laughs> I'm really tired of these comic book characters being sold to me as the greatest badass ever before I even read a single word about them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I like to have the character who, quite frankly, fucks up a little bit and fumbles their way through, but, you know, because they have good intentions, or they got a lot of heart or something like that, they make it through at the end. You know, I, I dig that kind of stuff. That's why Dick Grayson. Was such a, you know, a good character in Jason yeah. Todd because they weren't, you know, raised by the, that's why I hate Damian Wayne. Right. I hate Damian Wayne, that's why I hated Cassandra Kane,
0: right? This Both explains, this explains why you killed them off in our game.
1: I did, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. This is, it, that might have been a little bit of my own, like, you know, personal aggression towards those characters coming out. That is awesome. So. <clears throat> but
0: you understand what I mean, right? Yo, totally, yeah, totally. Yeah, you know both. Yeah, both him and Cassandra. You know, raised by assassins. You know, best martial artist in the universe. Yes, I understand what you're saying completely. But then, uh, like, then like, Damian can be disarmed by Alfred, right? right. How well, am I supposed to believe he's the greatest
1: assassin if if a, the butler can? You know, I don't know. You know, whatever. Alfred's kind of a badass. So. Alfred is kind of a bad. You know, the funny thing was, I read um, uh, Earth One Batman, uh-huh. which was really good. I haven't read that before. Have you read Earth One Batman? No, I've seen it, but I have not yet read it. So it's about, you know, Earth One is supposed to be the real world, and it's supposed to be, you know, the, the real Batman. One of the things they do is they don't give him, like, the the, the white eye. You know, mm-hmm. usually in Batman comics, they just make his eyes white, you know, right. just to, to avoid. And this one, they actually draw him the eyes, so it's weird seeing Batman in the Batman suit, and you can actually, like, see his eyes and stuff like that. Right. And it's a realistic Batman, and he just gets his ass beat all the time. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, I've heard really good things about Earth 1 Batman and Earth 1 Superman. I keep on meaning to check them out and I haven't had a chance yet. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Um, any other comic stuff you wanted to mention? Um, boy, I gotta get through the, the you know, uh, I'm, I'm reading some Flashpoint stuff. <laughs> yeah. Not digging it. No, it wasn't. I, I, I read, uh, I ended up going back and cause now, Uh, you can get the back issues for like a quarter uh, occasionally at Dragon Slayer or less. So I went and read through, you know, some of the main Flashpoint stories, some of the the Secret Six side stories. Yeah, they're not, they're not very good, honestly. And, uh, god, honestly, here's the thing. I like DC
1: characters better than Marvel characters because they're just more complete. They have a better backstory and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But the fucking DC stories recently have been just horrible.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, but, that's that's what I'm saying. I find DC characters very compelling, and frankly, more compelling than almost all Marvel characters. That's not that's not entirely true, but a lot a lot of the time. And yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. I mean, I think the only two like Marvel
1: characters that I can think of that have, have been really well well fleshed out are like Daredevil and Spider Man. So yeah, right?
0: well, will I see. I never read Daredevil, so
1: <laughs> <laughs> but. But recently, the, 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 I think the DC storylines have been just crap, and a lot of it's because of this new initiative they're doing, and, and I think that's just a. And that's yeah. not to say the Marvel stuff has been good. We already complained about their freaking,
0: you know, Avengers, Avengers versus X-Men,
1: yeah. Oh, I'm starting to read some of that stuff, and it's just terrible.
0: Yeah, I know. I was, I was really disappointed in it, and I think, uh, it, it really was a. Let's you know, let's do something cool that will sell comics. You know, but yeah, I, I wasn't impressed with it. You know, Marvel's done a couple of other things that I think have been interesting. The new Captain Marvel comic, I think, is is an interesting one. But yeah, some of their main popular titles, not too thrilled with. Yeah, uh,
1: I mean, and maybe this is just you know, this is just the indication that the real quality stuff is in the third party stuff, right? That's where you get your "Why the Last Man." That's where you get your "Walking Dead." I'm going to mention a couple in my holiday gift. Ooh.
0: Some of these, some of these uh, uh, third party stuff. So we, we will see. Um, let me change the subject real quick. Secret for World it. has gone free to play.
1: Yep, uh, I, I'll probably pick it up at this point and, and give it a whirl.
0: I I really like the Secret World. Um, the it doesn't necessarily play really well, and I haven't played since the very first update went out. So if I go back to it at all. Um I'll have to relearn a lot, I'm sure, because and that's because I'm max I maxed out at the time. You know, I'm I'm at the I've at the point where I had stopped, I had beat the entire game and I had every skill. I played a lot. It was it's a lot of fun. I like the conspiracy, I like the theme, mechanics are a little iffy, but whatever. It was fun. Uh you know, I was doing raiding, blah blah. Um we'll see. It's gonna get hard to get back into, I think. Um for, for a number of reasons. One the biggest one of course is time. Because yeah, it really does take time to get to all that kind of stuff. So we'll see. It's it's. I really like it. Uh, I'm interested. I'll be interested to see what other people think about it. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to play it again, which is kind of sad. But I had a lot of fun with it.
1: Well, you got to stop playing it and catch up with some of the other games on your your list. Uh,
0: Well, see that's uh, well, we'll see. (laughs) Um, Speaking of uh, getting people addicted to Kickstarter, do you have any Kickstarters you're watching right now?
1: Um, I, I just went through there the other day. Nothing at the top of my head. I did sign up for the Tell 'em Steve Dave Puppet Theater, um, just for a goof, but then I saw the preview that they just released to the backers, and it looks freaking hilarious. So basically, Tell 'em Steve Dave is one of the Smodcast podcasts, and, um, you know, they tell these stories of, of growing up in New Jersey and stuff like that. And some of the stories are really cool, and so what they're doing is they're taking the podcast voiceovers, and they're reenacting these stories of, of, you know, these epic stories that they tell, and, to puppets. And at first, I thought it was going to be kind of silly, but when I saw the trailer for it, I was like, okay, that kind of works. Cool. Um, so that was a really fun one. Um, I've been kind of perusing some of the games and stuff like that, but nothing's really, um, really come out to me. That, uh, you got anything?
0: Uh, I'll mention a few. Uh, I'm not backing many right now because I'm poor, but, uh, you know, maybe when it gets to a day or two, I might back one depending on on how my finances are at the time. Uh, Starship Enterprise, Bridge Interactive Museum has one. Have you seen that? No. Apparently they came to uh, Austin Comic-Con, so you might have seen them there. But basically, uh, you know, you remember the old Star Trek, well not the old, but the, the no longer existent Star Trek experience ride? Yes, I vaguely remember that. So I guess they had the some of the stuff from the next generation D bridge set and stuff like that, and event, eventually they were going to throw it out. They're going to throw it away, and somebody, uh, some uh, a guy who's what is his name? I, I forget his name, but uh, Huston Huddleston said, whoa, "Whoa, whoa! You can't throw away the the bridge, you know, that had some of the original stuff on it." Uh, and so he bought it. And basically, he's trying to raise money to make a interactive museum out of the bridge. And he's going to conventions and going to different places and uh, raising money for it. So if you look at the the Kickstarter um, page, you can see you know different people. He's he's auctioning off autographs. He's got you know Brent Spiner and Jonathan Frakes and Michael Dorn and Marina Sirtis and uh, you know uh, Will Whedon, John Delancey, uh, William Shatner, stuff like that and a bunch of people donating stuff that you can buy on Kickstarter, um, just, just raise money for this. And it's already met its funding goal, but there's, you know, you can get a t-shirt that says, uh, there's a couple of them on the front. One of them says, captain, I saved the bridge. And on the back, it says, shut up, Wesley. And there's, there's some other shirts like that too. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting. And they're auctioning off some really, uh, odd things that you would not, you know, not figure out what they, what they are exactly. For example, uh, Andy Dick came out in Star Trek, and uh, there's an autograph picture of Andy Dick in his uh, Star Trek uniform. Um, a, a print of death from Neil Gaiman Sandman. You know, there's just all kinds of stuff uh, that you, you, know, you can potentially buy. Uh, so it's kind of interesting, and, and you can get t-shirts and stuff out of it. So that's kind of cool. I'm glad that it's made it. I'm glad that uh, they're not destroying the, the the bridge and that that'll be around. So, neat. <clears throat> um... They got some cool
1: stuff on here. They do.
0: You can get the, um, I
1: know it's geeky, but they got the, the Star Trek, uh, uniform tops that you can get for $200. And they've got a replica of the old Enterprise
0: bridge chair. Yes. With all those useless switches and stuff on there. Yep. They got Uh, all kinds of stuff. Um, another one. Let's see. Oh, there's been so many miniature, um, just kickstarters and they're all very cool uh so right now midgard has one the the, the thing that i worked on some uh and it's not actually from global press someone licensed it to make miniatures but uh midgard rpg miniatures is one going along and it's got a bunch of minis for that you know for that campaign setting which i think is cool uh it's already 220 percent funded which is great but uh yeah there's some neat stuff out there uh and kind of different from your standard fantasy miniatures i think uh, another one coming on, Project London. Uh, so this was a movie that was made apparently a couple of years ago, which had somehow it was made by on on a shoestring or no budget or something basically, and, and um, a lot of volunteers came in to do the effects, and it's just it's just really interesting. Movie's made, everything's done. They're raising money to distribute it. That's that's it to make the DVDs, Blu-rays, and distribute them. Looks like fun. Um, it's one of the, this, the, the lead, the lead female protagonist is Jen Page, who came out in, uh, Geek, um, Journey Quest, and it came out in the second of The Gamers as the Sorceress. And so she comes out on it, she's a big backer of it, a lot of those folks are backing it, so it looks interesting, Project London. um one that I, a Christmas one that's fun, and it's gonna be ending pretty soon, is Stan, who is a former, you know, TSR Watsi employee, uh, he's a cartoonist as well. And he wrote a book several years ago called The Littlest Shagoth, The Holiday Tale of the Cthulhu Mythos. And it just looks awesome. It's, it's great. You know, it was endorsed by Will Wheaton. It's made its funding. Um, but it's a way that you can go, you can get the book. You can get autographed copies of the book. It looks really cute. I'm interested in it. Littlest Shagoth, uh, also on Kickstarter. Uh, an interesting one is Dice Rings. So, you know, you've seen the rings that have like little spinny things basically, you can spin the rings and stuff happens.
1: I think I've seen this before. Yeah,
0: so Dice Rings is uh interesting and it's it's ads are pretty darn funny. So you can watch the ads. But yeah, they have, you know, all the all the D, you know, the the regular D&D, you know, D4, D6, D8, D10, D12, percentile on a ring, you know, constantly spinning. They've got uh, you know, they've got fudge rings, they've got yes no rings, they've got, you know, they've got all kinds of stuff. It's Uh, I think if I had these, I would be spinning constantly because I did have a ring that had a spin component to it. And that's basically what I did. But, uh, yeah, it looks, you know, it's, it's a fun little thing that you can, that you can do roll dice and so on. So yeah, I, those, those are some of the ones that I'm looking at right now, as far as Kickstarters go. And I've got a couple more, but they're further on. So I'm not too worried about missing them. Those are kind of coming up soon. This is crazy, man. The, these the the amount of rings that they have. Yeah. This is. Yeah, and they look good. I mean, they've got uh, yeah. black with steel engraving, blue with steel engraving, gold with steel engraving, and rose gold with steel engraving. So, yeah. Wow! Like they they had a goal of twenty three thousand,
1: and they got two hundred one thousand, and they still got nine days to go. That's yep.
0: yeah. That is crazy. It's been very very successful. So. Yay. Okay. Um. Let's see some RPG news. Uh, we still have two contests going on now. Cobalt Press is having their Valhalla Calling, which I mentioned before, where you can write an adventure, submit it, you know, it's a 400-word pitch, basically. Um, gotta be using either Pathfinder or Dragon Age, but that's pretty much the only restriction. Uh, that's one of them. The other one going on is the, the big Paizo Superstar, you know, that they have that one every year. Uh, the winner is guaranteed, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of submissions to that. Uh, the ultimate winner gets to write a module to be published by Paizo. kind of cool, uh, really competitive so it sounds seems like it 'll be interesting, um, but what of those are going on right now, and you still got a little bit more than a week to participate in them if you're interested in, in such a thing. Um, have you ever seen the Dungeon bastard by the way? The Dungeon Master bastard. Oh, Bastard. Dungeon Bastard? No, Dungeon I never Bastard. Okay, so go to DungeonBastard.com sometime when you feel like being amused and watch those videos because that guy is hilarious. So I'm just saying that now. Go watch DungeonBastard.com. It is one of the funniest things that I have ever seen. Uh, especially, you know, in the RPG, in the RPG world. Uh, other news. I contributed recently to another book that's coming out. Um Dark Deeds in Freeport, uh, if, if you are, you know, Freeport was a campaign setting, basically, city, pirate city, uh, developed by Green Ronin, uh, Chris Frame has created, and, you know, they've had, they've come out with adventures for all kinds of different systems, and they have some systemless books about Freeport and stuff like that. So, uh, a few years back, um, two or, two or three at this point, I think it's two years ago, uh, Open Design, you know, Cobalt Press got, was gonna do a book also and what eventually happened though is the lead author on that book vanished. no idea what happened to him he got sick and then he just kind of dropped out of touch and wouldn't return emails and so people were like oh that's not good but christina styles uh one of the one of the designers for for cobalt press and she's done some stuff for Pizo now she's done stuff for all kinds of things did some early freeport stuff uh rescued the project and she she uh she got she got everything together. She started writing again. She got some people to help her out, and uh, and it's coming out finally. So, Dark Deeds in Freeport uh, from Quibel Press should be coming out next year sometime. And yeah, and I was one of the people who got to contribute that uh, kind of at the last second. So yeah, that's I'm really excited about that. Nice. Yep. Any other news you wanted to talk about?
1: I'm trying to think of any cool, like, um, Christmasy type gifts to get people on, and nothing's really coming to talk about. Okay. My head.
0: So I will mention some of the Christmas. Have you ever played a game, uh, Christmas things I wanted to talk about? Have you ever played a game called Cards Against Humanity?
1: Cards Against Humanity? No, I haven't.
0: Oh my goodness. Have you ever played Apples to Apples? That sounds familiar. So, um, Cards Against Humanity is a kind of a clone of Apples to Apples, and the way Apples to Apples work is you're, you're doled out. Different cards, right? And uh, apples to apples, it's a, it's a party game. Uh, it is a uh, it is now. I think it's being sold by Mattel. It's got you know four to ten players, and you're dealt a bunch of you're dealt seven red apple cards, which has a noun or some kind of noun phrase on it. And then um, the judge, the, the person who is the, the that person that round draws a green apple card, which is an adjective, and it'll have something like scary or patriotic or, or, or silly, whatever. And then all the other players look at their deck of cards and they choose a word that they think that the judge would say this is scary or this is patriotic or whatever. And you'll have you'll have words like you say that in your seven you'll have like turkey, Albert Einstein. You know, uh, running stuff like that, and so say that they that the person chose scary, the judge chose scary. Well, what which of these does the judge find scary? And you put in you know ghost or something, whatever is in your hand that you think would fit. It's a fun game. It gets kind of silly because you're basically playing to the judge every time, right? You know, what do you find scary? Math? I don't know something something whatever. It's fun. It's it's more interesting than I than I am making it sound, and it is it is a party game, and it's whatever. So, Cards Against Humanity is basically that except for really, really evil people. And by that, I mean it's the same basic concept, except all of the cards are terrible and evil and, and you know, obscene or racist or whatever. So here's one example. Why do I hurt all over? The answer is nuppercuts. getting so angry that you pop a boner, historical revisionism, fiery poops, Republicans, spectacular abs. Next from J.K. Rowling, Harry Potter in the Chamber of... Grave robbing. Poor people. A defective condom. Altar boys. (laughs) Justin Bieber. Stalin. You know, it's it's um yeah, it's it's pretty it gets much worse. Like that was very tame for cards against humanity. Um it is hilarious. If people are easily offended, you should absolutely not play. But if you're with the group of people, uh who who are good friends and and can do these things and can take a joke? <laughs> yeah, basically it is uh, kind of hilarious. Only two things in life are certain: death and Batman. Death and uh, coat hanger abortions. Oh jeez. Oh. Uh, anyway, that was yeah. So I'm looking at examples now online. So yeah, they're out. It's cost twenty five dollars. They just came out with a pay what you want holiday pack, which which I saw uh, brought out at a party last week. Um, yeah, it is it's hilarious and wrong and yeah. But it can be a lot of fun. Uh so yeah, check it out. Um, <laughs> maybe if that is your thing. Um I saw that a Star Trek Catan is out which, which looks really interesting. Yes, I saw cuz uh one of we
1: follow uh Will Wheaton on the Twitter account and I saw he was posting tweets from it and pictures of it and I was like that looks freaking awesome.
0: Yeah, I saw that that looked fun um, also. So, yeah, that is one that I want to check out. I have not yet seen it at the store, though, so we'll we'll even see. Um, I mentioned that I was going to talk about some comics, and I might have talked about these before, but I would say these are some indie comics to check out if you have not. One of them is Lock and Key by Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez. Joe Hill is a horror author. He is the son of Stephen King. He has written stuff like Horns and Heart-Shaped Box and 20th Century Ghosts, all of which are kind of interesting books. Um, and Lock and Key is a new comic of which he's, uh, one of the, he is the, the head writer. And it is basically about a family that is haunted and lives in a haunted kind of house where there's a set of keys and each key has some special and terrible kind of thing associated with it. One can change people's memories. One, makes you a ghost, basically. One, you know, there's, there's, it's an interesting, uh, well-told story. So Lock and Key by Joe Hill. There's several, uh, compilations out now, and the series is still ongoing. I think, I think the series is wrapping up. I'm not entirely certain about that, but I think that's the case. And, but it is, it is definitely worth checking out. The other one I wanted to mention is called The Sixth Gun. Have, have I mentioned that to you before? Mm. It sounds familiar, but I don't remember you going into detail about it. So that's by uh, Colin Bunn and Brian Hurt. And the Six-Gun is a supernatural western, uh, basically, and it is I th- it is a lot of fun. Um, so basically, a, a, a woman uh, in, inherits a gun. Named, her name is Rebecca Moncrief. She inherits a gun from her father, and and her father did not want her to have this gun because the gun is basically a weapon of evil. And it and when she uses it, it allows her to see like the past and the future and do all these other you know these things about seeing what's just going to happen. And it's got these special powers. And this is the sixth gun. There are five other ones. Each one of them having a an ability of some sort. So one of them you know shoots fire. One of them, whoever you kill, becomes some kind of like zombie that serves you. Uh, and with, with you know, and so each one of them has this thing. And they were being collected. Uh, by the Confederates, by, or by a particular group of evil Confederates, at one point in time before before the war was over, and now those people are coming back, several of which uh, are were presumed dead or might be dead, and they're trying to get the gun from her so that they can complete the set and, and do all kinds of wrong. And uh, Drake Sinclair is another protagonist in this, and he used to work for the general, and, and he used to be a Confederate a long time ago before they uh, before he basically betrayed them and, you know, decided to be not quite a good guy, but not really, you know, an evil people like them. And so he's, he's a, he's a basically a gunslinger and he goes and helps her. And so he and Rebecca have to, you know, evade, uh, evade them or capture them or do whatever to to protect her and then the gun so yeah it is uh it's a it's a good book that's basically the plot of the first graphic novel there are three out so far it's an ongoing series apparently they're making it into a mini series uh television series uh which would be interesting but yeah it's it's definitely worth checking out the sixth gun I, i i definitely say buy that
1: I got nothing outside of, of the normal realm. Like I said, I'm always a little bit behind because I read the um, the library stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of good collections coming out that, that people should be aware of. You know, they they they've got the Walking Dead um, uh, collections, and so if someone is a big fan of the uh, the series, uh, then you can pick up the uh, the collections. And I think they do them in groups of ten um, in the uh, the no, no, um, the graphic novel form. Um, basically like 10 comics per graphic novel, but I could be a little wrong on that one, but that's always, you know, something really nice for someone who, like I said, is a big fan of the series and maybe they've never read the comic, right? And so they can get into it that way. Um, and, um, I, I always recommend why the last man, mm-hmm. because that's just an incredible story. One of these days that will be picked up is I, I think it'll be, they talk about doing a movie for it, uh-huh. but it's too long of a story for a movie. And and a movie wouldn't capture the right scope. And I think because they've seen how well The Walking Dead's doing in its um, uh, mini series and or in its its uh, dramatized t- uh, TV series format, mm-hmm. I think we'll see the Why the Last Man in that kind of same format sometime in, in the future.
0: Yeah. Um. Show- the showcase things are interesting. So both DC and Marvel have basically these giant collectors editions of old comics, except they're in black and white and use relatively cheap and thin paper. But they're a good way to go back and read some of the older stuff.: Oh, absolutely. So those books books are usually pretty
1: large and, yes. and they include you know sometimes hundreds of comics yep. And if it's someone who's always like been a real big like Superman fan or Hulk fan or something like that and and they've always wanted to see how the series started or something like that, those are really good. And, yeah, and they cover a ton of great stuff. It'll be a little weird to see the early stuff because the early stuff is nowhere near like the current stuff,
0: right? Yeah, no, and, and it is it is cool. Um, I, I read some of the old uh, House of Mystery stuff. We looked through that, and they recently released Amethyst, uh, the original Amethyst series, as a DC Showcase and Marvels is uh Marvel Essentials, and they have the equivalent. Basically, they're both they're both basically the same thing. They're pretty cool.
1: One thing people might be put off by the fact is the original Bob Kane Batman
0: actually smiled a lot.
1: <laughs> have to yeah. so and and then there's always beyond that I think there are within the Canon books there are classic things to read um, that that I think every comic book fan should read so like uh, the um, the hush series for Batman I haven't read that uh, you haven't read the hush series nope oh man Carlos we gotta talk. <laughs> There's an intervention in your future coming up here, I swear. So, um, hush, uh, Batman Returns, the Frank Miller.
0: Yes, I have read those, yes.
1: You really get a sense for how Batman developed in the modern age, because I think most modern interpretation of Batman are taken off of that Frank Miller series. It's very dark, very emo Batman, stuff like that. Um, uh, the, uh, what was the, the one, I can I, I have trouble remembering the name of it, but is it the the last son of Krypton? But no, it's the one where it's it's a what if comic. What if Superman landed in the Soviet Union rather than oh, the United Oh yes,
0: I, I have seen that. That was that was an interesting one. Well, I'll look I'll look that up. But yeah, that was fun. That is an incredibly
1: good series. It, it's it's nowhere you know it doesn't take place in any like canon universe, right? This is just a what if comic. But it's so good. It is called Superman Red Son. Red Son, uh, that's also what it was.
0: by Mark Miller. So,
1: yeah. <clears throat> that that is an incredibly solid, very good comic. Mm-hmm. Um, tells the Superman story very well, but in in a very different light. Uh, and again, that's another one that comes in that graphic format, that that graphic novel format, and it's just, uh, I think any anyone who's even remotely a fan of Superman will enjoy that comic. BJ, my soup,
0: my Christmas list is getting really long now.
1: I know, I know. <sighs> and and you know, Blu-rays are out there. I've got a ton of Blu-rays on my list. You know, oh, me to, too. I want to get the Firefly series.
0: Oh, I have that already. Yes. So.
1: Um, I want to get the uh, the Dark Knight Rises. Um, we've already got Avengers and all the uh, the, the Marvel movies out there.
0: <laughs> Um, yeah, so,
1: you yeah, there's, there's a ton of good stuff out there.
0: There is, uh, RPG stuff. I've got some to mention that I think are very interesting, uh, present-wise. Uh, for Pathfinder fans, Rise of the Rune Lords Adventure Path is out in both, you know, regular giant edition and a super humongous, gigantic, gorgeous collector's edition. Um, which is way too expensive, but I happen to have a lot of store credit, so I will put up pictures of it because it's awesome. Um, so it's called Rise of the Rune Lords. It is the very first adventure path that Paizo ever came out with. Uh they redid it for the Pathfinder Rules, because originally it was three five. And um, yeah, it's it's great. It's 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 a really, really great uh, adventure. Um, another one I will say that everyone should everyone in the world should get is the Midgard Campaign setting, which is a book I worked on, but I'm not saying it just because of that. It really is really amazing. Uh if you haven't seen it, you should totally check it out. Um it is a, definitely a kind of a more, uh, it's a different take on some of the standard fantasy stuff, and it's got new races like Gearforged and Kobolds and Minotaurs and stuff that are all like main, main setting races. It's got Clockwork stuff. It's a lot of fun. Maybe our campaign setting is awesome. Uh, WotC has, so they've come out with a couple of new books that are actually kind of interesting, but they're not, uh, they're completely system agnostic. Like, I don't know if you've seen, noticed that, but most of the books that they've come out with recently that aren't their special collector's edition old system books, are, they don't have any, any, any rules at all. So they've come out with Menzo Branson, mm-hmm. the Menzel Branson book, uh, which talks of course, about the Underdark and stuff. And they came out with Ed Greenwood's Forgotten Realms, uh, which is basically the Forgotten Realms that he would have, you know, that he designed and this is what, this is what its history is and this is how I made it and whatever. Both of which are really good looking books. Uh, I would say that, uh, you know, if you're interested in, uh, some of those worlds, both of those are definitely worth picking up.
1: Um, if you're looking more in the tech field, there's a lot of good tech out there nowadays. Um, so I'm a big proponent of the Surface tablet. I know everything's like normally like um, iPad, 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 and don't get me wrong, iPads a good device. I personally have a um, Motorola Zoom, and the Zoom's been doing well for me over the years because I just use it for like you know looking up email, streaming Netflix, and stuff like that. But um, got my Surface tablet, and the integrated keyboard cover, really good. You know the fact that it has that integrated kickstand and a keyboard cover, and it's got the USB. Y- you can use it like a computer. You'll need to put up pictures
0: of that because I'm not entirely sure what that looks like. The integrated keyboard cover.
1: You've never seen the integrated keyboard cover? Mm-hmm. I they've seen got one. they've got it in two flavors. They got. Um, soft touch, which you get noise for the, the feedback, but it doesn't actually have any like you know physical feedback to it. So it's a little weird at first, but you get used to it really easily. And then they actually have a touch keypad. Um, and, and so being able to just like and, and it's got a kickstand on the back, right So you can you know kick out the kickstand so it, it braces itself. You don't need like some special cover or something like that. and the cover um, flips out and it is the the, the keyboard and because it's got it's like one of the, I think it's one of the only tablets that's got a USB 2.0 mouse or a USB 2.0 um uh port you can do a, a, a mouse with it and and boom you're flying you're you're using it like you would like a laptop or something like that and and because it's only like a pound and a half or something crazy you know it it's very good for carrying around stuff the thing you have to be careful of is uh it is windows um designed for the armor processor Arma processors are processors designed, um, lightweight processors that don't need, like, super coolant systems and stuff like that, designed for tablets, and because it has to use a different um, kernel for that, it it you can't install all, the like, the default Windows stuff. So it does have a very good Windows store of all of the uh, apps that you can get, and it's got all the normal stuff, you know, Hulu uh, stuff and, and YouTube stuff and, and Netflix stuff. They're getting more games. I think they've got twenty three thousand apps, um, and at launch or something like that. You you got all the normal stuff there, but if there's some like niche app that you really like, um, it's probably not going to have that just yet. But all in all, I think it's a really good keyboard. Um, For like, you know, business use and stuff like that, to taking for meetings, you can just be like, oh, you don't have to. That's the thing I always hate about, like, my meetings when I gotta go to them and and I gotta take my laptop, and so everyone's, like, dragging around a laptop and a power cord and stuff like that. This, you know, it's got a, you know, on a a battery, it's got, like, 10 hours uh, of usage, right? So you can just go to all your meetings with this very light thing. So, um, but it's a little bit heavier on the price side. Um, I think the, uh, I think it's like 500 bucks for the 32 gig version. Right, So it's priced competitively, but still, that's that's an expensive piece of electronic.
0: Speaking of electronic things, so I, I was trying to make up a video game list of stuff that I, that I think would be worth buying. How's everyone doing on World War Z and Guild Wars 2 and all those? So I still kind of play World War Z. Um, I know the other
1: guys don't play it anymore, but I still log on and play it. I've kind of got myself set up with the Ultimate Wilderness Survival set. So I've got... Um, compass and watch and i've got matches combat knife i've got two um hatchets one for a weapon and one for cutting wood a uh, pistol ton of ammo morphine blood packs you know everything you can say i've got 13 stakes and stuff like that so i never need going to a city again um and so i kind of wander around the wilderness and and um i help people out and stuff but i'm not going i'm not well, basically. At a certain point in the game, you get enough gear that you start, you stop worrying about the zombies and you start hunting people. I don't want to hunt people, I just want to survive. So my character's been alive now for like months, so if he dies, I'm gonna, you're gonna probably hear me start crying. Is that what that will be? Okay. Yeah. Um, so, still playing that. I, I looked into playing the War Z, but it's just not there, right? The, the developers, there's a lot of hacking going on in the War Z, just like there was in, in Day right? And, and they it took a while, but they got that under control. Warzy's having a lot of hacking right now, and it seems like the developers are being a little aggressive with the players. Like they've got their the game's not even like released, but they already got the in game store up and running, and they're telling them if people don't buy enough stuff, they're going to shut down the game. And that's not the right way to, to engage with your mm-hmm. your your, um, your audience and stuff. So I'm I'm staying away from the the Warzy until that I think becomes a bit more mature in a, in a video game standpoint. Guild Wars, I've stopped playing. That, that just, it got to a point where it's like all economics and stuff and it's just not fun for me.
0: Okay.
1: I think uh, Scott hasn't played it in a while. Scott, and I just started playing Natural Selection too. What is that? So, um, Natural Selection was basically Marines versus Aliens
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's meant to be both a first person shooter and an RTS, real time strategy. Mm-hmm. So on the Marines side, one of the Marines plays the commander and he's the one who drops um, you, you know, these these buildings that you have to build, and, and they're, they research, like, increased, you know, firearms and, and ammo and, and weapons and armor and stuff, and then he can build stuff that, in, you know, you can build, like, robots and, and turrets and stuff, and when the commander drops stuff, the marines have to build it, and then he can drop them, like, on-the-fly ammo and stuff like that, so he's the one who's playing an RTS, but rather than have, like, um, you know, your units all be computer-controlled and stuff like that, they're actually real players, right? So you'll say um, the the commander will like give you points. He's like, all right, we need to take uh, West Point now. Um, I need three guys to go there. So three three actual human players have to run there and try and take the point for him. And he puts down turrets and stuff for them and stuff. That
0: is bizarre. What is this called? Natural selection.
1: Yeah, natural selection. Well, huh. it, 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 the original natural selection was for the original Half-Life. Uh-huh. Natural selection 2 has been upgraded for better graphics and stuff like that. Um, both Scott and I bought it when it was an alpha stage, because you could buy the game and, and have it when it, it was released, but it was to raise money to, to finish the project. Alpha was very rough. Uh, basically they, they hadn't optimized any of their code, so it was like very, very rough on, on the computer. You know, I couldn't even get to run decently whatsoever they 've recently released runs like a butte now, cool and, and so Scott and I started playing it on the other side. the aliens they can build stuff also, so aliens have to work on you know building up um you know their their spawn and and you know increasing their creep you know the creep will slowly overtake the map and stuff like that they don't have a commander though, right, so it's all like people operating kind of in a silo but it's meant to be that real time strategy and, and first person shooter, and there's a lot of components to it. It's not just run around and kill everyone. You gotta, you know, worry about resources, you gotta worry about strategy and taking and holding points and stuff like that, and then working with your commander, and really, you gotta work with the commander, not against the commander, because if you're not helping out, and if you don't have a good commander, or if you're not helping the commander, it really bogs down the entire team. Fascinating. That sounds really interesting. I'll have
0: to check that out at some point. Yep. Yeah. Uh, when I was gonna mention you we talked about walking dead that's gotten great reviews I want to check that out of course the video game that I am playing now and that the only video game that I am really playing now is pandaria world of warcraft that is that is what I am doing at the moment
1: so I started playing that also um, I uh, got the invite uh, for 10 free days it's expired so I've got to make the decision whether or not I'm gonna start mm-hmm. with, uh, paying the subscription or not uh it, it's fun it, it's fun it, it's Kind of feels like the same thing again, but that's not a bad thing per se. <clears throat> uh,
0: yeah, I yeah, I disagree. I I'll, you know one of these days I need to get uh, a couple of people on to talk about the the Pandaria expansion in particular, uh, especially the in game stuff. It's very odd. <laughs> it's very different. Uh, oh, in and some and maybe ways. that's
1: it. I haven't hit any of the in game stuff. Well, so I'm still it, going
0: through the leveling stuff. Right. Although I, d- I did enjoy leveling in Pandaria a lot more than Cataclysm. I wasn't a big fan of Cataclysm stuff. Uh, Firelands, I hated Firelands just so much. Uh, mm-hmm. but I, I really enjoyed the, the Pandaria thing so far. The thing um,
1: with Pandaria mm-hmm. that's kind of throwing me off is that it's not as linear as like say Cataclysm or Wrath of the Lich King. It gets to a point where I'm not sure exactly where I'm supposed to go to start, you know, kind of continue the
0: storyline. Mm-hmm. Well, it splits off is the thing. It, you know, The storyline kind of splits into two different directions or maybe three different directions at one point. And you do have to do all of them at, eventually, but you don't have to do them in a particular order. So it's uh, – yeah, I, I – I, you can't – the way that I did it is I did it basically a zone at a time. Um, I didn't have to quite do it that way, but that is the way I ended up doing it, and I think it worked out really well. Have you gotten to Farmville? Yeah,
1: that one like little town where you can raise like scallions or plants and you have to go back every day. I I I did some of the intro quests for that and I can see there's a lot of other quests but they're all grayed out for me. So there's
0: something I'm missing to like unlock all that stuff. Yeah, that is, that, that gets kind of interesting. Uh, and yes, and eventually, and well, I don't know if you can yet, but eventually you can, you can grow, uh, you can literally farm for, uh, for stuff. And like for wool or for, uh, or, or, or whatever, which is kind of funny. <clears throat> but yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, we'll get someone on to talk about it too. And we'll see how one of these days we need to run through when, when we're on at the same time, we'll have to go through some scenarios. Yeah. Um, I, like I
1: said, from my opinion so far, it kind of looks like the same stuff. Like, like, like I said, that's not a bad thing. It's, it's a comfortable thing. Um, but, um, I'd be interested to hear like some other perceptions of it. Yeah.
0: So So books, uh, some book stuff I wanted to mention. They've come out with The Complete Calvin and Hobbes by Bill Watterson, which I think would be an awesome present for people. Hardback collectors, it's on Amazon for about 60 bucks, but I know Calvin and Hobbes were awesome, was awesome. And there's an awesome, uh, there's, it's a great looking set, so I I would definitely say that would be a good gift for people. Uh, they came out, I saw some people making, making uh, dinners recently. Uh, there's a book out called A Feast of Ice and Fire. Which is apparently is all Game of Thrones uh, recipe related recipe kinds of things, and so people look like they're having fun with that. I have not had a chance to read through that, but I thought that looked kind of interesting, and it's it's uh, I've seen several people recommend it as a as a cookbook, uh, so that looked fun. <clears throat> Some stuff that I do not have, but I, I I do want to get, and is on my my own Christmas list is uh, uh, Red Shirts by John Scalzi. What's that? So, uh, John Scalzi, you know, or he has a, uh, he wrote old man's war. He wrote, he's a really, uh, he has a great blog. He's a really interesting guy. So red shirts is basically told from the concept of, uh, you know, it is told from the perspective of a, you know, a star Trek red shirt <laughs> that, that is, that is the premise. And it's supposed to be a very, very good book. Um, so it, it pays homage to the, the idea of, you know, you're the disposable or, you know, expendable crew member. And, and it's, and it's people who they like, he realizes that he is, you know, that that's what he is. And, uh, the, the protagonist. And so, uh, <laughs> that he is likely to die. And so and the shirt, the, the story goes on from there. I have not, like I said, I haven't read it, but I've heard really great things about it and it is on my Christmas list. Definitely.
1: So, so we gotta, we gotta pause for just a moment because we, we didn't cover this in the beginning. Have you seen the new Star Trek preview? I have. What do you think?
0: Um, I don't know. Well, I, I get, it's, it's odd. Actually, you know, I, I haven't seen it in English, is one thing. I saw some, a foreign version of it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> wanted to see the extra 10 seconds? Y- yes, that's exactly yeah. right. But I, and I, I want to know who the bad guy is. That's what I really want to know. It's con! I, see, I've heard people say it's not, I don't know. I don't know. The other person that's being, uh, thrown out there is Gary Mitchell. So, I, I we'll see. Uh, I don't, I don't think it's, I think it's gone. Because, l- let's, let's face it, the, the blonde in the
1: preview has been confirmed as the doctor from Star Trek 2, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay, we know that the doctor from the Genesis prog- program is gonna be in there. If you haven't seen the trailer, this, you know, you should see it, but the 10 seconds that Carlos is talking about is the hand, the two hands on the glass, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. From from where Spock sacrifices himself and does the the good of the many over the good of the few, I mean, it, it, it feels like it's Star Trek Two, from from everything that we have, and and if it's Star Trek Two, guess who that you know, um, Benedict Cumberbund, is that Cumberbund or Cumberbath? I, I I don't know. Um, anyways, Sherlock from the BBC, right? Uh, I, I think he's con. I, I think there's little doubt
0: about it at this point. And the funny thing is, they they've released the name of his character, but it is nobody's. They, everyone assumes that it's a it's a pseudonym. So oh,
1: just like whenever they film a TV, like a, they film a movie, right? And they have to like put out, you know, filming, blah 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 blah. They never
0: put the name of the movie, right? For ben Star is, Trek, yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch, that's his name. Yeah. Um, I think it's got to be Khan. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I think it'd be interesting. Uh, yeah, I. I I kind of want to see it. Uh, let's see. Also on my wish list, Red Seas Under Red Skies by Scott Lynch. Um, this is the sequel to a book called The Lies of Loch Lamora. Have you heard of that? No. So The Lies of Loch Lamora, a really great fantasy novel and probably one of my favorite depictions of like the roguish – scoundrel-type character that I have seen in fiction. Um, and it is great. So definitely check out The Lies of Locke Lamora if you haven't read it yet. sequel is Red Season and Red Skies. That is on my list of things to get. Definitely want to pick that up. Uh, let's see. A couple of anime shows that are coming out this month. Or at least, uh, yeah. One of them is Toaro Majutsu no Index, which is in English called A Certain Magical Index, I believe. That is being released by Funimation. It is coming out like in two days. And it is a series basically about um, it takes place in kind of like a future Tokyo uh, in, in a place called Academy City which is just just uh, which is part of an island uh, that is just off of Tokyo which is uh, basically it's not quite a high school or but it it there it's a it is a city in and of itself and there is like a lot of school stuff college stuff whatever there and this is kind of a future world where people a lot of people have Basically, psychic powers, and what the premise of the story is is there's all there's kind of the secret war going on behind between those people who everyone knows they exist and another group which is magic based. And I thought it was a fun series. I haven't seen it in a while, uh, and I saw the fan subs uh, uh, some years ago, but definitely picking that up. Uh, it's called, uh, like I said, it's a certain magical index. There's also a kind of sequel side story called a certain scientific railgun. Uh, also, also a lot of fun. And then the other one that's coming out is called, uh, Umeneko When They Cry is what the English version is. This is a, it's not a direct sequel, but it is a series sequel to, uh, call, uh, the series that in English is usually known as When They Cry or Higurashi When They Cry. Uh, in Japanese was, uh, Higurashi no Nakukoro ni, or When the Cicadas Cry. Yeah, lots of names. It's so, it's really confusing because all these things have multiple names in English and Japanese and whatever. So this one's called Umeneko When They Cry and it, and like Higurashi, it is basically, it's a Groundhog Day type murder mystery type thing where, you know, people are horribly murdered every day and I think by the last day, or by the, as things repeat, Somebody is supposed to figure out, you know, why it's repeating, what's happening, who the killers are, who's responsible, in order to get that everything to get resolved. Um, Haven't that, seen it yet, but I picked it up for Holly. Mm-hmm.
1: That last one, oh, that was so fucked up. Which
0: one? The the When They Cry, the 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 first series. So here's over. here's the here's the terrible thing about When They Cry in the U.S. When They Cry is a great great series, but really it, you only get the full sense of how great it is in the, in the closure if you can see the second series. The second season, I mean, and uh, the second season was never released in the U.S. Oh, that's horrible! So the first season is completely released in the U.S. and it's all this like murder that happens over and over and over again, and it's, these are all called the question arcs, and people die in horrible ways, and it's a different murder every time, so you have no idea what's going on. Season two is is called the answer arcs. Where you start to figure out what's happening and, you know, you have the potential for a happy ending maybe and you try to, you know, you try to figure out what's going to happen if they can solve it, if they can rescue everything in time. And, you know, and, and you need that second season to really kind of get through it. And yet, you know, on the company, uh, is the one who had the rights to the first and second season and they basically quit, you know, they quit not just, not just that, everything. Right, they sold something. They they basically shut shut down their U.S. shop, and they just they just do stuff in Japan now. So I don't know if we're ever going to see the second season of that in the U.S. The fan subs are out there, uh, which is good, or else it would be really, really, really tragic. But um yeah so we you know we own when they cry and it's a great great series it's one of holly's favorite series it's one of my favorite series but if you don't see the second season it's just brutal like jj i think jj's only seen the first season and so all he knows is that and uh that makes me sad so we're gonna have to get him the second season one of these days to watch it because yeah it is it is rough and at least for um and echo you have the entire series out you have you know uh both volumes of the series out i got it for holly for christmas um so, yeah, well, I'll let you know how it goes after we get a chance to watch it. Okay. It, uh, like I said, I think that's really why it left a weird taste in my mouth is because I only watched that first season. I was just like, what the hell? Yeah, it's bizarre and strange, and you don't have any idea what's going on until you get to the second season. So, yeah. All right. I think we uh, – I definitely need to wrap up, I think, here. How about yourself? Yep, yep. Um, I think we've covered a lot of good stuff today. I, I want to talk about Arrow, but um, we'll save that for next yes. time. Yes, yes, definitely. I, I I need to catch up on Arrow. I've got a bunch of them sitting on my DVR, but yeah, them. I might I might have Thomas,
1: uh, my buddy Tom from Japan, come on because he's been watching it, and and I've been really liking it, and he hasn't been liking it as oh, much. Okay, so I'd yeah. like to kind of hear the the opposite opinion of it. So. Sounds good. All right, well, that'll uh, wrap it up for Coming Out of the Basement. Um, you can find us on Twitter. I'm I'm very active on Twitter uh, in in trying to kind of keep stuff going out there, so you can find us on Twitter at COTV1. Uh, you can find us online at comingoutofthebasement.com. You can also email us at podcast at We'd love to hear from you guys. If you have questions about RPGs or suggested topics for us to talk about in the show, let us know. Thank you for listening. See you guys next time. Later. interface to stabled. Goodbye.